Last Sunday, Rich preached on the verses that immediately precede the scripture reading that I will share in a moment. It's those first few verses of John 14 when Jesus assures us to not let our hearts be troubled. For where Jesus is going, we shall also. And as Rich pointed out, these scripture passages are from the section of the book of John referred to as Jesus's farewell discourse. In the chapters leading up to John 14, we hear the stories about Jesus sharing a Passover meal with his disciples, and he gives them a new commandment, to love one another just as he has loved them. Also in those passages, Jesus foretells of Peter's denial, Judas's betrayal, and even foretells his own arrest and death. And we hear the story of Jesus's radical offering of grace as he washes his disciples' feet. And then he offers these beautiful words of assurance for his beloved disciples and for us. From John 14, beginning with verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. And will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all of our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments the commandment to love one another as Jesus loves us, the kind of love that Christ shared with his disciples and now shares with us is so profound, it's hard to even imagine, let alone grasp sometimes. Christ's love for his disciples and for each of us can be a lived reality, demonstrated through his ministry on earth by his relationships and actions. Just as we are created by love, we are being called to love by imitating our Creator's love. It's a tall order. Well, there's a beautiful story that I think illustrates this kind of life-giving power of love and the assurance that God's love discloses what is most true. It took place in South Africa during apartheid when laws prevented South Africans from mixing with whites. At the death of a, South, a white South African official who had worked within the system to humanize life for the oppressed, the blacks were turned away from his funeral, despite the wishes of his family. It was a terrible insult. Well, following this great insult, a black pastor went to the white chief justice 
who had reason to imagine that this would be a friend of his oppressed people. And he asked the judge to participate in their Good Friday service, where the congregation would observe Jesus' practice of washing the disciples' feet. Well, he asked the chief justice to wash the feet of a congregant who had actually been a servant in the judge's home and had even cared for his children. Well, the white chief justice readily and humbly agreed. When the time came, the judge came forward and washed and dried the servant's feet. Her name was Martha. But before he rose to return to his seat, he took her feet in his hands and he gently kissed them both. It was a gesture that set healing in motion. In that simple extra expression of care, he disclosed the truthfulness and the life-giving power of God's love. It was a risky act of kindness. In fact, he was professionally impacted by that gesture. But he had no regrets because he too experienced the life-giving power of love that helps us recognize each other as neighbors. Well, just as apartheid was a time of empire and oppression, John's gospel was written in an age of empire for people were surrounded by agents of the emperor, images of imposed dominion and the weapons to enforce the imperial power. But in the gospel of John, we find this strikingly different claim about power, the power of love that brings life and compassionate relationships. It is difficult to imagine a sharper contrast to the imperial understanding of the way of the world or the definition of power. With the empire as the background, Jesus' message is one of power of love and truth, and the power that has as its goal the well-being of all persons, regardless of social status or citizenship or race or who one loves. It's the gift of love that overcomes the world's exclusions, the horrible disjunctions between life as we imagine it realistically and life as it might be. It's the love of God abiding in us and the infinite love for the world that we are commanded to enact. Yes, it's a tall order. These ancient words serve as a part of this disciples' commissioning, and we should hear them in the same light. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The word became flesh, the one who walked among us as the man named Jesus. And now the word is returning to God, but an advocate is being sent, the spirit of truth, who will remain always within and among us. It's a transition. A transition is happening for the disciples then and for us now. The spirit will help students become teachers, followers become leaders and apprentices become partners. Jesus leaves us with the covenant promise that we will not be orphaned. Our mission is clear. The love that Jesus commands is about a teacher humbly kneeling to wash the feet of his disciples and a mighty judge kissing the feet of an oppressed servant. We are called to do the same. Did I mention it's a tall order? 
Well, C.S. Lewis in his classical book, Mere Christianity, has this advice for us when it comes to loving another, especially when it comes to loving someone we might find difficult to love. Lewis suggests the rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you actually love your neighbor. Act as if you do. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking them even more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. Now, he warns that you shouldn't try to do this just to show someone what a fine chap you are. And certainly don't sit around and wait for a word of gratitude. We should instead do good for one another just because it is someone made just like us by God who desires their happiness just as we desire happiness. And in the end, we will have learned to love this person a little more or at least to dislike them less. Well, we have this advocate that Jesus tells us about. It's called the spirit of truth that will be with us, guiding us and standing with us. But what is this spirit and how have you experienced spirit in your life? I have to think that if I asked each of you how you have experienced the spirit or presence of God, you would each have a different story to tell. And I think there would be several of you that would share that you're not even sure you've ever really experienced that spirit, or that sometimes you feel God's presence and sometimes you don't. And if that is your experience, you are in good company. Mother Teresa famously left her record of a lifetime of struggle, struggle with the darkness that plagued her because for more than half her life, she did not feel the presence of Christ. Nonetheless, she's considered a saint. Some consider her even a greater saint because in spite of the dark, she continued to be faithful. Even though she had for years not felt any spiritual chemistry, she steadfastly pursued the mission to which she believed she'd been called. Perhaps C.S. Lewis would put it this way, even if you're not feeling the spirit, just pretend that you do and keep on trying and not because you're trying to appear to be a fine chap. <sighs> Some of you may have experienced a midlife crisis. I'm experiencing a mid-sermon crisis, and here is why. If I had to say, yes, it's a tall order one more time, or reference some saint or leading author like C.S. Lewis or some wonderful judge washing feet, I would be screaming. Now, I humbly believe that everything that I've just said to this point is true and important. And if you are in a good place to hear the commission that we are receiving to go out and live this very tall order of foot washing and loving your neighbor, even those that you don't like, and working to bring peace in the midst of empire-like power, then God bless you. I will be cheering you on. And I'm sure in due time, I will be back out there joining you. But here's the thing. Today, 
I'm tired, weary even. My body and soul have been telling me this for the past couple of weeks. Nothing terrible has happened. I'm fine, really. Maybe it's just my allergies. Anybody else? The allergies are just, yeah. But I'm tired, and maybe you are too. And it's a ridiculously busy time of year for many of you, especially if you have children and you're attending spring concerts and graduations and proms and on and on. Maybe the daily onslaught of news is just doing you in. So if you're a bit weary, here is what I firmly believe that Jesus is also commissioning us to do. Jesus wants us to sit still, to be quiet for a moment, and hear him whisper, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if yourself needs some sweet, tender love, then gift yourself with that. Love yourself. We hear all the time what a difference that small acts of kindness and gentleness and patience will make. So my beloved, offer yourself some kindness, some gentleness, some patience. One of my favorite authors writes, we are not perfect, we mess up. We act out our fears and do destructive things. We take longer to heal and to grieve and to flourish than we think we should. We don't always do what we know would help us feel better. So we deserve to acknowledge that these can be challenging days and reassure ourselves that kindness turned inward helps our nervous system, our spirit, which leads to healing. We deserve to place a gentle hand on our own heart and say, bless our sweet souls. Or receive this blessing from Kate Bowler. Blessed are we the weary and the weak and sore with only the merest ember left burning, but who still say, breathe on me, God. Breathe on me. Breathe life into my tired body, my heavy limbs. Bring light to the dark corners of my mind. Breathe comfort into my heart. And restored by the spirit of truth that Jesus promises us, may we gladly live into the commandments of love that we are called to live into. May we be on the lookout for someone in need of kindness, gentleness, and patience. And maybe today, that's you knowing and trusting that we have not be or been orphaned, for God is with and within us. May we trust how deeply we are loved. And yes, ultimately, that love is meant to be shared. Amen. Oh, and Rich, I'm taking tomorrow off. <laughs>